welcome to this episode of Hammering Down. I'm your host, Kaylor Hodges, and I'm hoping you're having a great, great day. So before I get too far in this, I just want to kind of explain what this episode is going to kind of format like, kind of be like, uh, just kind of give you an idea of what's going on here. So I've been teaching at a school for the last uh, really two weeks now. Uh, I've been teaching out at uh, two separate high schools. And so <laughs> I haven't had as much time to record as I have in the past. Basically, my day doesn't get my day gets started at 8 a.m. My day is not done until 8:30 p.m. And that's just clock in, clock out, not including before and after. I know it sounds like I'm whining, but I'm just trying to explain why I am combining this post-match reactions of Loud and United to and the pre-match preview for Hartford. You know, it's just one of those things that. I feel like I feel like the Loudon game tactically and reactions wise is not as interesting as you would think because it was a six one win. There is a couple things I do want to discuss with this one though. And I do think it's important to talk about when you're talking about relation with uh Hartford. So last time we played Hartford, if you do remember, we had a one one draw going into ninetieth plus minute where Anderson Asidu gets his head on the end of a cross and scores a game winner, I believe, at the 93rd minute. And, I mean, how you leave a man who is five foot six uh, open on the back post, I, I don't really get it. I don't understand how that happened. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it doesn't have to make sense to me, I suppose. <laughs> you know... Um, it, it was a bizarre way to win a match. And since then, Hartford, I do believe, is a much, much better team. But this is still a kind of a different squad than last time we rolled out against Hartford. Last time we rolled out against Hartford, you know, we had we had one up top. We had Bruno kind of playing a, a left wing-esque thing. We had Prosper Kasim out on the right. We had... We had um, uh, Mikey Lopez, there we go, playing right back. We had Johnny Dean playing left back. We had Anderson and Enzo playing defensive midfield. It was kind of a bizarre lineup. And the lineup we rolled out last, uh, I guess, Wednesday now, was a bit strange as well. You look back to the Loudon match, and... We have three. We have our first ever hat trick in Legion history, which is really cool. We have Marlon up top. We had Enzo playing Cam, kinda. It was really Bruno Lapa playing Cam with uh, Enzo Martinez playing as a secondary striker and or winger. I do think that's where he's best personally. Um, we had a lot of Enzo and Bruno playing off each other and. Prosper Kasim playing out right. We didn't really have a true left winger throughout this match. Um, Marlon played wide at times. He did go out to those wide areas. That's where he's very, very good. But that wasn't... We didn't really have a true left winger. It was very asymmetrical. And I do want to say this. I think a lot of people are looking at this match and saying, look at all these goals we scored. And I just want to point to you 
that it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. It was three penalties. All deserved, by the way. All good calls. Um, the red card should not have been a red card. That needs to be addressed. The red card that Loudon received was it was just a bad call. It was never a straight red. Um, that one should be rescinded by pro. That one's a horrible call. Um, but he wasn't last man back, and even then it was in the box, and he tackled him. It wasn't a behind-the-back tackle. It wasn't dangerous. It wasn't a handball. It That one's a yellow card and nothing more. It's always a pin, though. We shot 33 or 30 times and only had three goals from open play. That's still only a 10% conversion rate. It's That's not great. We also, once again, let in another goal from down to man. We're up a man, and Loudon goes up the other way in the 54th minute, I do believe, and scores. And I think I mentioned that Fletcher uh, was going to be the guy to watch for them. <laughs> and Johnny Dean, ooh, wow. <clears throat> I forgot to get water out here, which is not great. But him and Johnny Dean were going to be going at it all night. And, you know, I just want to address that. I don't think that was Trevor's fault on that goal. It was a well-taken shot. I mean, I would put that on Johnny, to be honest. He kind of got turned inside out. He expected Fletcher to go out. Fletcher went in had a, and just took his shot well. If it was placed any more inside the goal, I think Trevor gets a save on it. I don't know. That, that was just a tough one to watch. But... It's still just one of these matches that looks a lot better than it was. Um, it was awesome to see Grayson and Mateo get goals. That was awesome. Prosper getting a penalty was something cool to see. That was fun. Bruno got his two brilliant goals, two amazing goals, and then his penalty. Um, I, I saw a lot of people asking why Mateo got the pen. I think it's because he won the penalty to get Bruno his hat trick. Um, I think that they were going to give that to Mateo if Bruno was not on for a hattie. Just because of all the dribbling and the hard work that Mateo put in, he was ridiculously good against Loudon and winning the previous penalty. I think they want to reward him for that. I think I saw a lot of people asking for Eddie to take it, and as much as I wanted Eddie to take it, I understand it. Here's the thing, though. I'm not as impressed by this win after going back. I stood right behind goal and listened to Joe Rice get furious at his back line. He told them over and over and over. And I say over and over and over again. Every time we had the ball, he said, they're cutting inside. They are cutting inside. They said, they're cutting left. They are cutting left. They're cutting left. They're going to shoot with their left foot and he kept saying it over and over and over again and we just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and some people might say well wow that means we're really good and also Loudon's back line was really freaking bad really bad I I think a better back line handles that better but that said, I do think there's a lot of merit to what we did. Now, what's the tactical differences? I think you have to look at obvious personnel. And we decided to just simply out-talent other teams. We've done this before. Sometimes when we go full murder ball, and by murder ball, I mean just put out our big hitters, we do well. Why is that? Because when we choose to out-talent the other teams and utilize those talents, it's great. Uh, look back at New Mexico United. 
we bullied them the entire match. And when I say we utilized those talents, look at one Agudelo. That's a great example. We cro uh, Johnny puts in a wonderful cross in. He gets it onto his forehead. Juan also makes a brilliant pass. I think whenever you allow Juan to win a ball in the air and pass the ball off, he is a brilliant player. He is. That's a great role for him. But as we look forward, and with this match, we just said, screw it, we're faster than the other team. Even though we really did really, really well in our possession category, because that's the thing everybody should care about, not. Uh, you know, we had over 65% of the ball. Possession until the last 20 minutes was not the point. The point was to press the ball, force mistakes, and counterattack as quickly as possible. Our press was so effective that we kept winning the ball, and we, because we kept winning the ball, we had the ball more. We just out-talented out the other team, and we can do that. I think the thing is is that we just assume that counterattacking means concede possession. To me, the counterattacking is you press the ball, you force the other team into a mistake, and go as quickly as you can. When we decide to outpace other teams, I don't think anybody can beat us. Genuinely. I genuinely believe that if we choose to outpace the other teams, do not let them recover, do not let them get behind the ball, we could beat anybody in this league. I I will stand by that forever and ever. Amen. And why did that work? Because we played smaller forwards against against Loudon. And that's part of the reason why Nico Brett works so well and guys like J.J. Williams, who recently just got traded to Phoenix, guys like Eddie Horvat haven't worked well, guys like Juan Agudelo haven't worked well. Anytime that we get these big, sizable forwards, it doesn't work. Why? We don't cross the ball in the air. How many times have you heard me say that? And Eddie's a bit of a unicorn. He is wicked fast on being wicked tall. The thing that Eddie does not have going for him, he can't dribble the ball well. He had a few moments against Loudon that his ball handling was really, really good, but his first touch is so, so heavy. And that's why he's not playing. That's the exact reason he's not playing. If you look at what this team really values as a club... Look at the recent signings. Look at Marlon. Look at Enzo. Look at Bruno. Look at Juan. Look at uh, look at Mateo. Look at Grayson. What do all those guys really have in common? Look at Ryan James. What do look at Anderson Asidu? What do those guys do? They are elite dribblers of the ball, and that's what Coach Stone and Cano uh, really. That's what they want to accentuate, and that's fine. But guys like Eddie, he just doesn't have that yet. I think he could, but he doesn't. Not yet. He has wicked speed. He has wicked size. If we want to utilize Eddie Horvat, we have to utilize his speed. We utilize his size. We, if we decide to go full counterattack, I think guys like Eddie would be great. If we decide to pass the ball in the air, guys like Eddie would be great. Guys like one. He has really good dribbling ability, but he doesn't have the speed that he once did, so he's not as effective on the counterattack. Guys like Juan are great for the slow buildup, but not for the counterattack. Right now, we're kind of caught that we know we want dribblers, but we also want to be fast while also be able to hold up the ball well. And frankly, those guys don't exist in the USL. Those guys are in MLS or in Europe. <laughs> You know, I, and that sounds mean, and I love every single one of these players, 
but for the most part, I mean, guys like Anderson, guys like Johnny, those are guys I think should be in MLS. Guys like Bruno, I genuinely believe should be in MLS. But a lot of guys had their chance. They did, and it didn't work out. And, you know, guys like Anderson kind of had his chance, but green card uh, slash international stuff, that'll do it. Bruno being Brazilian, that'll do it. Guys like Marlon, I think if he didn't have, I think if he was an American citizen, he would be an MLS. Those guys, if they were American, would not be here. They'd be an MLS. And you have to utilize their strengths. But guys that can are fast, that can dribble well, that can also hold up the ball at an elite level, they don't stick around here very long. And I think that's something that we just have to start looking at. And I know you're probably thinking, what about the Hartford match? I think we're probably going to go back to what we saw similar against um, the first time. The first time that we played them, I talked about it earlier. What I'm kind of seeing, I think we're going to go back to one up top. The question is, is do you drop Bruno? Do you drop a guy that just scored a hat trick? I would say no, but who do you drop him for? Do you keep Juan out of the lineup? I don't think they'll do that. Who else do you pull then? Maybe you look at Mikey Lopez and say we'll drop Enzo deep or we'll go to a true one-man holding midfielder and say, Anderson, you hold down the fort. That's a possibility. And then you'd essentially be looking at as the same lineup that, or a similar lineup that we had this last uh, this last Wednesday, where you have where you have uh, Ryan James out as a left back, you have Fan, you have Fanny, you have Ascrinali, uh in the middle, uh, Johnny out on the right. You have Anderson holding up this defensive midfield. Hold on, I got sneeze, y'all. Just want to be known. There's nothing I hate more than sneezing. My fiance gets on to me, not well on to me, but she makes fun of me all the time for just how much I hate sneezing. I hate sneezing with a passion. It's one of my least favorite things ever. <laughs> but I think maybe the guy here you drop is either Ryan James or Mikey Lopez. Um, I think that your left back, you could look at dropping one of them for Bruno maybe um you drop you keep Anderson as a solo defensive midfielder and it ends up being kind of like a a 4-1-3-2 with Juan and Enzo up top which is kind of how he plays anyway and Bruno in the middle but that would leave depending on who you start if you start Ryan James you're essentially dealing with a two-man back line because Ryan and Johnny are going to beam up the field. If you go with Mikey, you kind of end up asymmetrical in a way, which is not a bad thing, but it's interesting. I don't know. I feel like Bruno playing as well as he did, because it's not like he decided to be a penalty merchant and just got three penalty hat tricks. His first two goals were incredible. But if you look at Hartford, this is a lot better of a team than last time we played them. Their goalkeeper, Austin Pack, he's no longer with them. He is out from the team now. He They've requested to uh, end his contract with them. 
This is a team that recently beat a Colorado Switchbacks team. Yes, Colorado Switchbacks were rotating the team, but their rotated team could still out-talent and outplay almost every single team in the league. But Hartford decided to come out in a very, very defensive uh, 4-5-1 with a very, very low uh, a low back line. And basically what that means is that they just sat in. They just sat in and absorbed pressure all night long. And we saw them do that against Charleston a little bit too. And Charleston beat them 3-1. I think you can break that down to um, Colorado Springs didn't know what to do with that with how deep they were sitting and Charleston just exploited that back line. I think if what's going to be really interesting to watch is if Legion decide to go back to fully absorb pressure and counterattack against Hartford or if they'll attempt to out-talent them. I think if they decide to fully out-talent, this could be an interesting game. I think if they decide to play as fast as they did against Loudoun, Hartford is frankly screwed. If Legion decide to roll out the lineup that I mentioned and decide to slow the ball down and dribble with as defensive as they're going to set up this team, and a guy that recently joined Hartford that I'm a massive fan of, massive, massive fan of, is their number three, uh, Logan, I'm going to mispronounce his name because this is what I do. Uh, Logan Dola. He's a local guy. He played them for a couple years. He also played with FC Cincinnati. He's an incredible player. He Another guy that's played for them who didn't play against the Toros, which was a RGV. <laughs> Listen, I'm not an XG. Y'all know I don't really care that much for XG, but this one is just incredible. Uh, Rio Grande had a had a 2.73 XG, scored zero goals. Hartford had 22 Hartford had two shots all night long, only one on target. And they didn't play a guy named Corey Herzog, which Corey Herzog is kind of USL legend, USL royalty at this point. He's an incredible player. Also, there's a reason why he's bounced around from team to team, and it's not because of his talent. Um, I'll let you make of that of what you will. But guys like Corey Herzog, if he plays you're going to see them come out and maybe, you know, we're going to look at the Colorado Springs match where, you know, they have their 17 shots and the four on target, whatever. And that's going to be really overpowering. Maybe not overpowering because I think that our back line is better than the rotated back line that Colorado Springs put out. Or if they don't even have Corey Herzog in the 18 and they also have Rashawn Dolly, who is one of their leading scorers this year. Um, might be their lead, might be the leading scorer this year for Hartford. Um, it's actually that's Joel Johnson. So sorry. Um, it could be a really long night, and you only have two shots all night long. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one because Hartford really does have a lot of support. They have a lot of fans that go to those matches. The fans are great. The team just doesn't seem to care about winning. I don't know. I feel really bad for their fans because their fans are so supportive and are really loyal, but they just don't seem to care. If we're looking for uh, players uh, to watch out for, Joel Johnson, he is going to be an obvious option there. 
Um, he's just a really, really good player. I don't know what else to say to you. He is their number 30. Um, he is a left back who has scored four goals for them already this year. Another guy, like I mentioned, Rashawn Dolly. He's uh, another former FC Cincinnati guy who is a really good uh, striker. He's very big, lumbering kind of guy. Um, really a threat in the air. Has a decent left foot on him, but definitely still raw despite being in the league for a couple years now. And Andre Lewis, he's there, number 77. Scores goals, that's what he does. He's a good player. He only has two goals this year, but... He's still a solid, solid player. Other than that, though, I, my brain is telling me that we're going to beat Hartford decisively. But then again, I also thought we were going to destroy Tulsa, so what do I know? I think that this team is hungry. They're really wanting to prove, frankly, people like me wrong. They want to shut people like me up. Um, the only reason I, I, I just know that. I <laughs> They're tired of hearing me say that it's not good enough, and I think that a really dominating win against Hartford and bringing up that conversion rate, because like I said, thirty shot, three goals on 30 shots is not as good as it sounds. I mean, it's six goals, but three of them were pins, so make it that as you will. I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I think we, we should walk out of Hartford with three points, and from there we'll you know we come back home against Atlanta United too I do believe on the 6th get revenge for that match never that's a massive one against uh, San Diego Loyal and I do believe uh, Detroit City I want to go ahead to get the Detroit City one on the radar for you guys to make sure you're there on a Wednesday night because if we win that match, if we win out and they win out, whatever, if we continue to share points, we will go ahead of Detroit City, and that will get us just one step closer to getting a home playoff game. I've said it towards the end of almost every single episode at this point. Right now, it's home playoff game or bust. It's a home playoff game or failure, and this team is way too good to fail. But thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for being a little bit patient with me. Uh, and I hope you guys understand uh, the post-match and pre-match being combined into one. But, yeah, if you did enjoy, share it around. Tell your friends to listen. Um, I, or don't, I guess. Uh, if you did enjoy, leave a rating somewhere. I don't know. But <laughs> thank you guys so much. And until next time, guys, keep hammering on.